Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome into House of Wrestling, everybody. It's me, Nick Hausman. Take your shoes off, hang your coat up on the coat rack. I got some brownies over here on the table today and a big pitcher of iced tea. You know, we're going to have a great leisurely time here inside House of Wrestling because we got a great guest here to join us and talk all about the uh, colorful world of professional wrestling. It's our very good friend from the former FTR with Dax Harwood podcast, Matt Coon. Matt, thank you so much for coming to House of Wrestling today. I'm glad to be here, Nick. I love everything you're doing with House of Wrestling. I think it's going to be a big deal, and I'm glad to be here on the ground floor as you're getting started. Thank you so much, and if you're tuning in right here for the debut episode of this episode of House of Wrestling, you're watching us over on Premiere Streaming Network, of course, our Tuesday and Thursday at noon Eastern. Come over to PremierStreamingNetwork.com. Sign up for Premiere Plus. You're going to get both episodes of House of Wrestling first run right over here at Premier Streaming Network, Tuesday and Thursday. Great guests like Matt. Thursday, spoiler alert, I was going to save it to the end, but whatever. Dave Meltzer is going to be in the house here talking all things uh, CM Punk AEW Saturday night. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about that here with Matt, too. But, man, we're going to do another deep dive just kind of like what we did last week with Sean Ross Sapp. And on top of that, on top of the fantastic, wonderful relationship we have with Premier Streaming Network, I'm proud to announce a brand new partnership for House of Wrestling. And, Matt, I know you got an announcement, too, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scoop you. Oh, it's my show. Ahead. I'm going to go first. Your show. Thank you. I am now going to be releasing my interviews, or one a week at least, exclusively over on Inside the Ropes, itrwrestling.com. I have been a huge fan of inside the ropes for years it is a bucket list thing for me to make a deal happen with them so every week now matt fans are going to be able to go over to itrwrestling.com and find brand new exclusive interviews that i do for itr how cool is that that's fantastic man that's great it's great to see these great content providers finding the platforms that they need to get the stuff out there and people working together sounds like your partnerships are going really well that's a as a business owner myself, those partnerships are really important when you first get going. Oh, no kidding. And I, uh, we have two tent poles here now, Matt. I guess three, we, right? You go to houseofwrestling.com. That's, that's home base. But, man, every Tuesday, Thursday, Premier Streaming Network, House of Wrestling, Freddie Prince Jr., now a co-owner of uh, Premier Streaming Network, and then weekly, you're going to be able to find me over at Inside the Ropes. And on that note, next Tuesday, we're going to have Kenny McIntosh here inside House of Wrestling talking to me all about ITR, talking to us all about the new deal. Um, and on that note, uh, since I just made the deal yesterday, I was going to drop an interview in the feed tomorrow that I have. Now I'm not sure if I'm going to wait till next week to start the rollout there. So maybe that's all I'm going to say. Check the feed tomorrow about uh, a possible interview. All right. All of the, all this top of the show stuff is it's done. a very fluid situation. It sounds like very fluid, very, yeah. you're going to get, you know, you're going to get great content anyway. Yeah. So just, it's all free. It's exactly. chill. Yeah. Just chill. All right. Enough of my stuff out of the way. Matt, you uh, were part of one of the biggest stories in pro wrestling last week. That was the conclusion of the FTR with Dax Harwood 
podcast. And I say it was one of the biggest stories of pro wrestling because, man, you guys were content machines. Yeah. Like, I could, it couldn't go a week, the last 10 or so episodes without Dex, I feel, saying something that was generating tons and tons of attention. You think that's fair to say? It is fair to say, you know, and it is fair to say that Dax didn't really say anything too crazy, never said anything negative at all, but people ran with stuff and in talking to people about it, you know, it is fair to say that our show was a disruptor and we found ourselves smack dab in the middle of the biggest backstage wrestling story in the last 25 years. Oh man, you and me both. Right? Who'd you ever do improv with? So. <laughs> no, I don't. You know, I I did a song for Scott Colton once. Please don't hate me. Well, you know, now you're gonna get that spindrift rage, um, dude. It is. It's crazy to be in this situation where you become, you know, part of the story in a way. Right. 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 Now, you know that as good as anybody, Nick. Oh, that's why I was happy to bring you on, Matt. Let's talk about it. So, like, for you, how? What is that experience? Like, you you say you had heard you were a disruptor. Like, what was the vibe? You were you getting were you getting worried as the show was progressing? Were you enjoying the kind of attention? Like, how was that for you? Well, I've done podcasting for a while now, and it was great to have such a successful podcast. So right. you get kind of wrapped up in promotion. You know, like you have a certain way you do promotion. We're pretty decent at it, Dax and myself. So we really were trying to promote the show as much as we could. But in doing that. I think we gave a bigger voice to the criticisms. I think we gave a bigger voice to the feedback. And overall, I think, and Dax thinks, that our show became more of a negative than a positive for professional wrestling. Because when you look at the story of CM Punk, trying to be fair here to a business owner, Tony Khan, sure. you've got all these different elements going on. Like, he's alleged, like, I don't know anything, so this is all conjecture. But you got Punk, who's not being talked about, You've got something maybe he's trying to put together for a Saturday show with Punk and Jericho or something. And meanwhile, Dax is saying, hey, here's my match I went for all in. It puts Tony Khan in a bad position. Uh, you know, as far as the feedback online, it was completely out of whack. It was completely unprovoked. But people get really sensitive about their professional wrestling. Yeah, well, and... You know, what can we take away? Because one of the things that was said by Dax in the last episode that I thought was very telling, uh, obviously he said that just by mentioning that he is friends with Punk and that he wanted to wrestle with his friend, uh, it got cash heat. It got it got Punk unintended heat. What are we supposed to take away from how sensitive it is between Punk and the elite? Because a lot of people are calling on these people to bury the hatchet and do business and from 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 what I understand, Matt, and I would love to hear from you, it doesn't seem like that's a possibility considering the, the environment at the moment. Well, we heard that over and over again from Dave, uh, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez. You know, from the moment the show came out, episode one was about punk. And stupid me and stupid Dax, you know, our first episode was about going to be about Saudi Arabia. And we said, hey, you know what? Let's not get a bunch of heat for the first episode. Let's talk about punk instead. That did not work out so well. Um, <laughs> but the minute, you know, it didn't, it wasn't. I like it, how it, punk is some is more controversial than the kingdom of Saudi Arabia when it comes to AEW circles right now. Go ahead. It's, sorry. it's insane if you think about it. Yeah, it is. But the reality is, is that in talking about punk, every time a positive story came out about punk, it seemed like there was pushback from, from certain journalists, you know, and 
to your point about people won't work together, from day one, Brian Alvarez said, you know, when the when the punk show came out, he said, they're not going to work together. The elite are not going to work with punk. That was said over and over again, and I believe Dave said it as well. And all Dax was saying was, hey, and he literally said, wrestling is better with CM Punk. Wrestling's better with the Young Bucks. Wrestling's better with Kenny Omega. AEW would be better with all of them together. I don't think that's the most divisive thing, but the violent, almost violent objection to that by certain corners of the wrestling world was very strange. Nobody knows the story. I wasn't there. You were as close as anybody, but you don't know what happened behind closed doors. But yet we have these really strong opinions when we could just have people working together. At the same time, there are people in this world that I won't work with. So I get that too. It is, it it is, uh, it is wild here, you know, with them just, you know, kind of lead, lead, uh, lead into the Saturday show talk a little bit. It is really odd here to me that they're going to do this where they're going to have them on these separate shows. And there hasn't been like a mending of the fences. Like, you know, in a way it's a, it's a bandaid on a gunshot wound, you know, like there's still a lot of spillage there. I wonder what happens for pay-per-views. Are there going to be collision specific pay-per-views? Right, right. Because like, if you do super cards with the rosters of collision and rampage, Aren't these guys going to have to try to share a locker room anyway? I, there's just so many unanswered questions here about how this could potentially play out, you know? Logically, it does not seem tenable. Like, if yeah. you have these people working in separate shows to keep apart, you know, these are people that have trouble not getting riled up. Like when, and, and to be fair, everybody says punk this, punk that. But the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega were the ones who went out in a match and mocked CM Punk. They mocked him. They mocked the biting. They mocked the, 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 the Adam Page's finisher. They mocked a whole bunch of stuff. So it goes both ways. Are, are these parties going to be able to resist because they are so, you know, um, they dislike each other so much? It's hard to say. Allegedly dislike each other so much. I, I about to say, I don't think Punk really hates the Bucks. Like, you know, and again, I'm not trying to pick sides or anything, but like from my end, it seems like Punk just five dudes, five dudes and an executive came into his room with a guy and his wife and it seemed pretty, seemed pretty heated, right? You know, uh, and there was a reaction there that probably should have lasted eight minutes if you are to believe this brawl lasted that long. That's a long brawl, bro. Dude, that is a long, I've been in one bar fight and it lasted maybe two minutes and it probably seemed like forever <laughs> it it did and it didn't another story for another day but anyway like from my end you know and i i want to i want to take a step back from punk here just a second we'll get back to him but i just want to say from my end you know i was in the crosshairs of punk at that scrum and i rolled over the next day and, and to a, a text from phil brooks apologizing still don't know how he got my number but apologized to me said i had my facts wrong i'm sorry i shouldn't have done that no no heat with me we're fine it was it was not difficult you know now again he didn't punch me in the face right right right. but he did he did he did go at me anyway we'll get back to punk here in a second because obviously there's a a huge cm punk story in the wings here uh before we get too far off from the ftr podcast uh matt you have been teasing that you have an announcement uh, about what you're going to do next. So I don't know what this is. Let's get it out there now while, while we're in the heat of things. Well, it's pretty cool because, for instance, you and I, we have met in Chicago. 
we have met in Los Angeles mm -hmm. and we have met in Las Vegas. True. Those are the three times you and I have interacted. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk about why in a second. When I had the Dak show stop, you know, I had a couple different personalities presented to me and man, I can't, Dak's show was such a success and so much fun. He's such a good friend and we really made a lot of news. It's hard for me to go to something else from that unless it's something huge, like something like Brett or CM Punk or something crazy. But I was encouraged to keep podcasting. I was encouraged to maybe start a show with my own name. And so I started thinking, when I start these shows, I always say, hello, wrestling friends. And I think about my wrestling friends. I would consider you one of my wrestling friends. Yes. And what I'm going to do every week is I'm going to talk to one of my wrestling friends. It's going to be some people you might know, some people you might not know, some people you should know, some content creators, people like yourself. And it's called Wrestling Friends with Matt Coon. Oh, great name. And it's going to be every single week. And the first guest is someone who I'm friends with on Twitter, but I've never met. We were supposed to meet in LA, but I was too tired from traveling. He headed to the hotel and I left. And that person's name is Cameron Hawkins, uh, Seahawk on oh, Twitter, yeah. who I think is a brilliant guy who started as someone who talked about wrestling on the torch, became a brilliant writer, and I'm sorry, be, first became a real online presence. And now he's a brilliant writer for The Ringer. And I'm really interested to talk to him about wrestling fanship. And that's what we're going to talk about. What hooked you into wrestling? Uh, what is good about wrestling right now? What do content providers do? What can you do? There's a whole realm in there. And hopefully we can all be wrestling friends together. It's going to be on Dax's old feed because Dax was on Regal's old feed. I guess it's my feed now. So it's Wrestling Friends with Matt Coon, first guest. Cameron Hawkins, also known as Seahawk, coming a week from tomorrow. So today being the 25th, that would be sometime in May, May 2nd or 1st. My math isn't great, but looking forward to it, and we're going to have a lot of fun people on the show. I love it. I, lo I also love the uh, wild... Uh, inheritance of that RSS feed where it was Regal's, then yeah. it was Dax's, and now it's Matt Coons. That's wonderful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. You know, why not? You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. It's, it's, we have a lot of people who listen to me on both shows. You can always cancel if you don't like it, but I figure it's, you know, how difficult it can be to start a new SS, RSS feed with Apple and all that stuff. It's much easier just to plug it in. And I'm super, super excited about this new, new area. And again, you're going to have friends, you know, friends that you know. I'll definitely have Conrad on. I'll definitely have you on. I might have my friend Dax on. I might have some short interviews. But it's really about this idea that we are all wrestling friends. Yeah, and if you go to StarCast or, you know, like the the live event you did uh, with, uh, with FTR uh, during Mania Weekend, you, it's it's crazy when you actually get to meet everybody. Right. You know that's that's right. like my favorite thing about going to shows now. I you know sitting sometimes for four plus hours for a show can be tedious sometimes, but getting to walk around and talk to people, share a drink, man, that's that's so cool. I think that's gonna be a great show for you, man. It's really cool because like I saw you right. I came yeah. off the stage and I'm like, oh, Nick, I haven't seen you since New York or L.A. or wherever it was. Or at Vegas, and I'm like, good to see you. I see Sam Roberts. I see Sean Sapp. These are people that I become friends with, but they're my wrestling friends, and we hope you guys have wrestling friends too. And I'm very excited. It's a wide-open format, but we're going to try to be positive. But most importantly, we're going to try to be entertaining. And for those of you people who are content providers out there, we're going to try to give you some best practices as well. All right.
with that, uh, let's talk about another wrestling friend. Let's get back to CM Punk. So, like, man, wouldn't that be you, dude? You should get Punk. Everybody wants me to. I I couldn't get Punk, right? Like, Let me tell you, I do know for a fact he likes my voice. That's all I know. I've never um, met him. I've never talked to him. But I was on recording with Dax once, and he's like, "Oh, Punk just texted me," and he just turned the phone. He goes, "He said your co-host has a great voice," and I'm like, "All right, I'm, I'm, that's a one third of the way there." I would doubt. And I would, and you talked about this earlier. I didn't really answer it about what happened with Dax podcast. Yeah, I think doing podcasts with current talent who are currently involved in high level stuff might not be the best idea. So, you know, yeah, well, and I think that speaks more to kind of the culture of the pro wrestling at the moment, right? Absolutely. Like, it is. It it, it it's um. You talk about Russell friends, right? Like. It's less friendly sometimes in those professional circles. You know, it has been noticeable how AEW is not letting talent talk to the press right now. There's almost no AEW interviews out there in the wild these days. And it, and I've had people come to me, tenured journalists, what's going on here? What do you think? And it's like, and, and they're like, dude, I'm not even going to try to ask hard questions. I just kind of want to ask them, what are your top five AEW? Like that kind of stuff. And it's like, dude, if you ask them, who's your, who do you want to wrestle in AEW and you don't say Kenny Omega, you might get heat. And it may seem like nothing, right? But then, like, there's people that just get riled, you know? It is it is a wild time, right? I, will, I, and I, I don't get that from WWE for what it's worth. I will say that our show, uh, being uh, us stopping the show, had much more to do with the sensitivities of those involved mm -hmm. than it did with anything that Dax said or anything I did or anything I said. I do think that... We talked about subjects that maybe people don't talk about, so maybe we pulled the curtain back a little too far, talking about current feuds and current matches. But it's really about those sensitivities, and I guess that's the reality that we have to work within those sensitivities. And uh, from what you're saying, a lot of them exist within AEW right now. It, it's, dude, it is, it is very. I, I, I don't like the word. The word sensitive makes it all seem very like kind of uh, silly. But right. there is, there is, there is a lot going on there. You can't even say you like this guy without rankling people. And I, I'm, I'm still not clear. Are the Bucks and Kenny still EVPs following what happened at All Out? I. I've asked, I think he, at Tony's been asked that, and he didn't really address it, you know? I, I know that some talents still refer to them as the EVPs when they're talking about them. Like, oh, you know, the EVPs this. But I'm not sure. Like, it seems to me that, from what I've heard, again, not from Dax, uh, is that, you know, Tony Khan has tightened the circle a little bit. He does have wrestlers within that circle. But I don't know if the EVPs are some of those wrestlers. But some, you know, some of the names I've heard, I'm not going to get out with, you know, conjecture. But uh, it would surprise you, I guess, is what I'm saying. But I, I don't know the EVPs. I think if they were my EVPs, they wouldn't be EVPs just because they were in that situation, not because they did anything wrong. But I have employees, and I'm like, bro, you're representing my company. You can't do that. I'm very sorry. I respect you as talent. That's what I would do, and that's it. I'd do it to Punk too, right? But I have no idea. I, that's a great. I I I'm trying to find that out, and I still haven't been able to get a straight answer. So, anyway, with all of this kind of buzzing around right now, um, all of these people on edge. The Saturday show in the wings, uh, potential sit down with Punk at Jericho with FTR in the room, and and let's let's take a pause on that real second. FTR reportedly will be in the room here for if when this meeting between Jericho, Punk, and Tony Khan happens. Why do you believe FTR is 
uh, in that room, what, what do you think of the purposes of Dax and Cash being there for this meeting? If I'm guessing, and again, I talk to Dax every day, but we have not talked about this subject. I think Punk wants to feel comfortable. Like, you talked earlier about the fight. I don't know what happened in the fight. But Punk is kind of from the streets. I'm kind of from the streets. Like, I'm from the streets. That's who I am. I'm a group home kid who had to make it, and I'm from the streets. And if six guys, three guys, four guys come to my room after me saying, come and find me, I think we're fighting. So... I think my guess is Punk would, and everybody involved, would like to avoid any kind of temptation for a physical altercation. You know, Cash is, you know, uh, Cash is is uh, also can be hot-headed, so could Dax, you know. And uh, But I know they want what's best for business, like 100%. So I think they're there as a calming influence. And I don't think the Bucks and FTR hate each other. I don't think Omega and, the, and FTR hate each other. So I think maybe just having FTR in there is just a good idea all around to make it look like we're bringing all the different people to the table who are vested and maybe can help out. So, so what do you think? First of all, do you think it's a good idea to do the Punk Jericho meeting? I, I I saw Wade Keller over at the torch saying some people think this could be a bad idea, and I'm I'm kind of on the fence about it too. I'm not worried as much about a physical altercation. I don't think anybody wants those optics, but I just don't. I don't think punk and i don't think punk really likes jericho <laughs> like you know that's what i gather i think you know like in person is almost always better than online right like yeah. you know like Jer- jericho might piss off punk or punk might piss off jericho but when you're in the same room talking to each other you kind of remember the good times a little bit more so i think if they're going to work together it's certainly better to get everybody together than to work on uh, social media or to talk through intermediaries or talk to the press I think they have to do it. And these are adults. These are professionals who have had, you know, limited, although very well publicized situations. I think it's a great idea. And I think they have to do it. If that's where they're going, if they're going punk and Jericho, then they have to clear out the shit, the stuff that was said. I I, I don't know that I see. And that's where I'm not positive this is going to be about punk and Jericho feuding. I think it may be more that they're going to share space on Saturday nights. Like you've got the elite and Blackpool combat club on Wednesday nights. You're going to need punk and another big elephant for that Saturday night circus. Right. I, I, I don't know that they'd be working together so much as just like sharing space in a locker room. And you want to make sure that that's fine. Right. Yeah. I don't know that they're going to sit down and, and do a six week program. I, I think we were talking earlier about, people who had influence, you know, EVPs or whatnot. I think most people believe that Jericho has a very, a lot of influence in AEW right now. You know, um, Chris Jericho, somehow there was a fight between CM Punk and the elite and somehow Chris Jericho won it. Um, and so having Jericho having such a big footprint on all elite wrestling and having them going back and forth on social media, the way they did, it's very important. And, and Jericho willing, probably willing to, to forgive and forget a little bit more than the the Bucks and Omega, hypothetically. I think it's important for them to be able to share that space and clear the air. And hopefully they can do that because um, there's still a lot of money to be made with CM Punk and AEW. Yeah, well, um, on that note, as all of this is happening, CM Punk, according to PW Insider First, shows up at Monday Night Raw at the Allstate Arena in our backyard of Chicago, Illinois. I was not there. I was on my couch. Um, but, uh, yeah, this thing, let me read all my notes here. I'm going to read all this and we'll react to it. So, 
Uh, PW Insider said Punk briefly backstage at Raw. He spoke with The Miz and Triple H briefly. Then he was asked to leave by WWE head of security Jim Kelly. He did without incident. Numerous WWE stars thought it was a publicity stunt for an AEW return. And AEW talent was in disbelief about him showing up at Raw. Big power move here, man. Like, if, if you're not happy, you know, I hate to quote House of Cards because of the weirdo that was the focus of that. But if you don't like how the table's set, reset the table, you know. And if if Punk, it may, I don't, first of all, let's address the publicity stunt thing. I don't buy that. I don't think this guy just showed, that's not Punk style, is to do some kind of, like, like uh, I, I don't know, some kind of thing to just Pre, like premeditated. Yeah, it doesn't. Know. This doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like that to me. You know, it's some kind of spectacle to draw. That's just not his style. He's always very low key, lets people talking, and then this doesn't feel like a publicity stunt to me. But, I, but he's also a man who is run by his emotions of the moment. It appears. Yes. Yes. And so, you know, the story I heard is that he was on a flight from Florida with, um, with some other talent. I think I heard Dave and Brian talking about that. Okay. And maybe that's why he decided, hey, let's go. Let's go. I don't know if he's living in Chicago right now. I heard he was filming in L.A. I heard and, he well, I think he might have two houses. I think he's got a house right. in L.A. And I, th- I would be shocked if he if he gave up his. So his the two thoughts are it's either A, he just decided to go to Raw and he said, F it. Or B, it's this total 3D chess move where he's trying to get attention for all elite uh, wrestlings, um, his re-debut but some people you know uh Meltzer included said that it was a move by Punk to show he was interested in WWE uh my thinking is it's maybe a little combination led by his emotions he decided to go to Raw and see some people he was feeling bad about Miz like he texted you the next day and he said we good my bad he wanted to go to Miz he maybe wanted to go to Hunter he was flying there anyway but at the same time he knew it would get attention at the yeah, same, you there's no way know. he doesn't. Dude, you got to know. And the thing for me about this whole situation is we talk about how you can't even say Punk's name in AEW because just merely the mention of him could get you heat with influential people in the promotion, right? They took his name off the board. You know, we've seen pictures of his, I don't know if you saw the pictures of, you know, the board that has all the names of the rooms, you know? Right. And so you got like the elite, the EVP room and you got Jericho's room and you had a room that had tape over it, you know? And yeah. then you had, you know, Punk uh, on the truck in the backstage segment and they covered it with tables. You know, this is a, a level of kind of, Pretending somebody's not there, we haven't really seen before. And and the thing about this is, if if you're punk, the pressure there internally, and you're being told, don't say anything, don't act, don't no sell it, right? No sell it, no sell, no sell, no sell, right? At a certain point, you know, again, we've seen what happens when punk is getting backed into a corner politically backstage in a way he doesn't like. He's got to react, right? That's all out, the all-out media scrum was. You know, there was all this tension behind the scenes that spilled over. If Punk's being pushed into a position right now, you got to have this meeting with Jericho. You're going to have to be on this other brand. These guys don't want to talk to you. There's just it's it's a lot psychologically to deal with there, especially if you feel like you're not in the wrong. You know, if you don't want to go out and have another media scrum type meltdown and just try to eviscerate the room. This is probably the second strongest thing you could do, which is walking to the other side and having a conversation with the top guy at the moment in Triple H, you know. I cannot even begin to think 
what his motive would be outside of, I want to go to Raw, and I, I know Miz is there, and I know Triple H is there. I want to clear the air. I don't think Punk is that naive to think that he's like laying the groundwork to return, because obviously there was a lot of hurdles for him to return. But at the same time, the dude is uh, the dude is doing what the dude does, and it's really yeah. interesting that it happened right now. Uh, the timing is weird, but I don't think he booked a flight and went to Chicago to go to Raw to get publicity. I, I don't buy well, that one hundred percent. Here's the thing that a lot of people I don't think understand about this situation: the collision stuff, the Saturday night stuff, all of it is tied together, right? There is a I've heard a number on it. But a huge TV rights number on the horizon that right. is dependent on this collision show happening the way Warner Brothers executives want it to happen. I am of the belief that Punk is a part of that plan in a meaningful way, right? And I had heard that they were going to do Ring of Honor tapings on Saturdays with Collision, and they were going to do Rampage tapings on Wednesdays with uh, Dynamite possibly have AEW Dark kind of floating in between both of them, Dark right. maybe yellow, split them up. So I was looking around on that story, and I uh, was getting it vetted. I think it's uh, I'm saying it out loud, so I think there's something to it, but I did get to somebody of influence who was just like, you should just know the plans are not set. Nothing is set right now, and so it is, and this was recently, and so it is a very fluid situation where there are these hypothetical plans that everyone is really pushing for we really want all this stuff to happen so we can really make a lot of money and punk in this situation wouldn't seem thrilled and has some leverage and is using it if you guys want to do this if you guys want all your plans to go off the right way and make your big big money like i'm a part of this you guys can't keep kicking me or hypothetically kicking me in the face you know it is it is a very interesting dance i think going on behind the scenes there there's really no doubt that it's not at it on some level of power move for punk to go oh yeah to raw because you know the number i've heard just based off of estimations from the other show is 52 million dollars right is 52 million dollars on uh the collision deal and punk is a huge part of that if you I've, think i've about, heard a much okay. bigger number well, damn, you know, that means that Punk has a leverage because you know if Tony Khan is selling this show because they could not sell Ring of Honor the same way. No. So if you're if you're selling this show and you're like, hey, you know that guy who uh, sold out Chicago uh, when it was just a rumor? He'll be on the show. They're like, yeah. oh, okay, well, let's do that. You know Chris Jericho? He'll be on the show. Okay, cool. So – the leverage is there. I don't know. It was a full leverage move by CM Punk, but oh. he's a smart guy. He's a very smart guy. I'm not saying he's premeditated. I'm not saying he's diabolical or planning everything, but he knows what he's doing. He knows the effects of what he's doing. And other than those moments where he lets maybe things be said that maybe he would be better not said, uh, this seems to me a plus for CM Punk, uh, but I'm not sure about a plus for AEW. All right, well, uh, we'll put a pin on the CM Punk talk here today. I will have Dave Meltzer back on Thursday, um, and we will do even more talk about this whole situation. There is just a lot to unpack. But one of the people Punk did reportedly talk to backstage was Triple H. And, man, did Triple H have a night last night on Raw. He came out. He did his – do you think he's directly trolling Tony Khan with these type of, I've got a huge announcement that's going to rock the foundation? Is he directly trying to try to go at Tony Khan with this stuff? I don't – 
think that's his style. I think he really meant it, you know? But okay. I think maybe there was a side going, hey, you know, this is kind of funny, too. I think, see, that's the thing. It's like, kind of like dad humor, right? It's right. not like, it's right. not like he's being mean-spirited. He's like, ah, this would be pretty funny, right? What if, is it? Huge anyway. announcement is Tony Khan's gimmick, though. It is. That's his nickname. Huge announcement, Tony Khan. Um, so Triple H comes out. He's got this announcement that's going to rock the foundation of WWE. The announcement is there's going to be a new championship. Now, this championship, he pulls the thing off. It's beautiful. It's got this gold. It's got the WWE logo in the middle. Uh, he announces that uh, because Roman Reigns somehow contractually has been holding the world championship hostage, he's only, I guess, been defending the universal championship, and we can't have that. So when the draft comes up, Reigns is going to go off to whatever brand he's drafted to with the Universal Championship, but now this World Championship is going to be used on the other brand as the top title, and the first champion of this new title will be crowned at Night of Champions in Saudi Arabia on May 27th. Now, I've seen you chime in on this already on social media, Matt, uh, but for everybody out there who hasn't seen your comments yet, how do you feel? About this new title, Matt. Well, speaking for a lot of wrestling fans, let me just say this. What? Like, what? <laughs> like, what? The man has got two titles already, right? Yes. He's got two titles. So one of them has not been being defended. We just found out. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't know it wasn't being defended. Did you know it wasn't being defended? I thought they were both being defended. I, I thought they were always, I thought it was you were going for both and there'd be a situation. I really thought they'd be like a triple threat. Where it was for just for one of them, and then Drew McIntyre would pin Sheamus, and Reigns would get pissed, and you don't have to pin him, and that's how you get the other belt off him. I guess you could do this too, though, right? And then the so there should be, in my opinion, there should be one champion. Like you have what Triple H was doing, elevating an Intercontinental title, elevating the U.S. title. Those are the big titles for the brands, and then you have the World title, Universal title, whatever that is on top of it. Even if there's two, whatever, don't split them. Because what my feeling is, if there is two world champions, there's no world champion. You, ha it's like the Super Bowl. Like, who was who were the co Super Bowl uh, champions? Never such a thing, right? No, that didn't happen. It's just illogical, and it's also, I guess, one might call it, you know, bad creative because you're saying, okay, we have to keep the titles on Roman. We can't beat Roman, but we need another title to give to somebody else let's have it all let's just have it all let's just do both the thing with a title is that you have to beat the champion for it i realize this happened in 2002 2003 whatever that was bad too but this is worse because cody rhodes <laughs> cody is. rhodes could have won that title correct and now it seems like he really should have. Now, let's say, and I don't know if Cody's getting it, but let's say Reigns is on one thing, Cody's on the other. Cody wins this title. That is not the story. Cody Rhodes wants the title that his dad tried to get off of Superstar Billy Graham in Madison Square Garden, 1977-1978. He wants that title. This is not that title. This is a whole different title. Right. This is not finishing the story. This is a whole new story. And it seems to me... I could totally be wrong here. I could totally be wrong here that there was a plan and the plan was changed because this makes no sense to me. It makes no sense. It, it's going to be it, the whoever takes this title is not going to be looked at on the same level as Roman Reigns. No way. Um, I have to because believe, he didn't beat him. <laughs> no, because he didn't beat him. I have to believe there's two things I have to believe about this decision. One, 
uh, they've got the TV rights negotiations coming up. You're going to sell these things a la carte or maybe together, Raw and SmackDown. Uh, while you're shopping these around to the highest bidder, you're going to want a top champion that you could kind of tout as the, the big elephant in your circus on, on Monday or, or Friday night. Um, so I think that's probably part of the logic here. The other thing is I still believe they just they're, – they're not going to take this title off Roman until they get that match with The Rock. And it, whether he wins or he loses to The Rock, it doesn't matter. But he's gonna have to. He's gonna hold on to this title. It's not about the thousand days. It's about Dwayne The Rock Johnson, in my opinion. That is the match they want. They're so far into it. What's another year? <laughs> you know? But what does the title add to a feud between Roman and The Rock? Like the feud would even be better <laughs> without the title because then you're fighting for this head of the table situation. You're fighting for legacy. You're fighting for all these things. It almost defines this epic once in a millennium encounter between The Rock and Roman Reigns down to have it for a title. Why not use the title? Cody, <laughs> Cody tore his peck off his body Came back, Cody should be the champ. And the fans love him, and he's doing the work. He, Cody is just doing magnificently. Roman doesn't have the title. He just starts killing everybody for a year. The Rock comes out, head of the table battle. I don't think you need the title for it. Um, well, uh, we have a kind of a, a hodgepodge here of miscellaneous stories. I'm just calling the rumor killer segment here to wrap up the show today. Uh, while we're talking about TV rights uh, negotiations, there was a, a big to-do last week uh, based off of a, a journalist who said that uh, Warner Brothers Discovery actually had some interest in getting a piece of that WWE pie. Fightful now reporting that uh, those in WWE were very surprised to hear that and were asking the press, is there anything to this? Um, over on WBD's side, according to Fightful, uh, they were not closing the door to it. They were like, oh, that, yeah, you know, we'd love to be in consideration, but Based on what I'm hearing about these AEW TV rights fans, I'm hearing a big number on the horizon, possibly for AEW, um, and I, I don't, I don't see any reason why WBD would be trying to work WWE into that mix while they're so they're going to go so hard with AEW in the next couple of years. I don't think people understand how hard it's going to be. Yeah, that's not real, right? Like, and good for all elite wrestling, man. I've been an all elite wrestling uh, supporter since before it started since All In, working on the ground floor with StarCast, huge for All Elite Wrestling, good for Tony Khan, big fan of what they're trying to do over there. I hope they make all the money, hire all the wrestlers, and put the best wrestling product possible up there. But no, at WWE, they got they got other people that they're interested in, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm ESPN, right, is back on the table here because of Endeavor's relationship with UFC. I'm hearing a lot of talk about how, as part of the deal... You know, well, like again, like this correspondent said, Monday so Monday Night Raw doesn't have to be Monday night. It could be another night if it's better for the suitor. It's weird to think about Raw moving off to Monday nights after more than thirty years of real estate there, whatever it is. Um, but look, it's a it's a new generation, man. It's new ownership. Things are going to be very different here with WWE. And as as big of a money as big of a number as AEW is going to get. It's going to be multiples for whatever deal WWE does with these shows. Yeah, and moving it off of uh, Mondays would probably be a mistake because, you know, you have a lot of passive viewers that are just accustomed to doing it, and a lot of people that just put it on that night. It's a very uh, strange idea to move it off of Mondays because no matter how bad Raw is at times, people still watch it. 
I'm going to flip this real quick. I'll put up a Mercedes Monet update first. So the Observer saying uh, that she's extended her New Japan contract is going to appear at New Japan Resurgence May 21st in Long Beach. Of course, she dropped the IWGP women's title to Mayu Iwatani at the All-Star Grand Queendom. And uh, in an update, yeah, Fightful is saying this appears to be the last date on her contract. After that, she's going to become a free agent. And it doesn't look like there's any more uh, dates in Japan on the horizon. So, uh, what do you think of of her becoming? Was this a was this a successful play on her part going over to Japan, proving her worth, trying to get a bigger deal when she comes back to the states? Is that how you read it? Absolutely, because uh, you know, according to Dax and according to a lot of other people, this was her dream. Yeah. This is the one thing she wanted to do. Now, financially, especially with how much com- of a commodity she is, does this take full advantage of what she can do financially? Probably not. But this is a person who followed her dreams, did exactly what she wanted to do, did this little dates in Japan, brought the IWGP women's title to the prominence where it will be for a long time because she had it. And now time to get the big bucks, you know, probably all late wrestling, probably all in full guests. Um, you know, it doesn't appear like she has a lot of great relationship or a great relationship with WWE, but we know how quickly things can change. I think uh, she's America bound and I can't wait to see it. Dude, Punk and Hunter. Like we didn't we didn't really spend enough time <laughs> dwelling on like it, it was a brief conference. Was it like, oh, hey, how are you doing? Or was it like, dude, I'm, I'm I fucking hate that place, man. Can I come over here? Like I yeah. like a brief brief. You could do you could say so much in a minute, you know? You know, from everything I've heard from Hunter, he keeps it very professional, you know? Right. So I think it would be good to see you. How's everything going? How's your wife? Good to see what you're doing. Glad you're back wrestling. Oh, got to go. <laughs> you, know? I, you know what? That is a very accurate. That is creepily accurate to what I think probably did play out in that yeah. situation. Yeah. Well, but like, you know, like you said, anything can happen. Uh, things are definitely changing. I don't think having Vince back helps the case anymore for for Mercedes and WWE. And yeah, they Tony Khan has said a lot of nice things about her. A lot of the women over in AEW have said a lot of nice things about her. Uh All In is a is a great guest. Would you do it at the All In uh in Wim- at Wembley? Is that what you're thinking? Absolutely. Because yeah. if they book it in a clever way, you can book these back-to-back shows. Like it can be done where one show begets the other, but the big show is the Wembley show. And Having Monet, Mercedes Monet debut there would be smart money. Man, have Mercedes versus Jade at Wembley. Dude, that's that that'll add five thousand people in the stadium right there. Well, another name that is a is a drift out there that is floating around, uh Trinity Fatu, the former Naomi. Uh there was a report that came out that stardom couldn't afford her. Um, that's why she's not there. I believe that was from the observer. Uh, she shot down those rumors, uh, or at least tried to, by saying not true over on an Instagram story. Um, for what it's worth, Mercedes Monet was also doing the exact same thing, talking about how everyone was wrong about her contract. And spoiler alert, seemed like everybody was pretty fucking on point about that, right, Matt. Right, <laughs> so, right, like, yeah. take it with a grain of salt with uh, with what Trinity's saying there. But uh, she was spotted backstage at the GCW show at Orlando. Uh, it would seem she's getting her face back out there, man. And you talk about you know, draws for that Wembley show, Mercedes Monet would be great. Having Trin alongside her in some capacity, I think would only add to the value of that. I think it would be extremely dumb of WWE to let Trinity wrestle for all elite wrestling. Yes. Um, you have this very heightened uh, feud with bloodline, Jay Uso, Jimmy Uso, and you have 
a member of that family who said, I do not want to work here. I want to work there. So I wouldn't be surprised at the minute talks got serious with all elite wrestling. If WWE, um, went ahead and stepped up, you know, and let bygones be bygones. Uh, it, it could happen. We have Zelina working in, in WWE. We have Elster, uh, or black, uh, Alice Black, what's his name there? Malachi, Malachi Black in, in AW. They're married, um, you know, Andrade and Charlotte. But, man, the bloodline is like the top of the card. So I would think it would be very dumb of WWE to let uh, Trinity Fatu sign with AW. And what a layup, man. You got Rhea with Judgment Day. Like you said, Zelina with the LWO. There's not a lady in the bloodline right now, obviously. So it would feel like a layup to work her into that program, and it sets up a lot of matches you could do with the other factions they have at the moment. And and visually, it look, it would look badass, her standing on the side with the finger up and all that. You know? Agreed. All right, everybody. Well, that's going to bring us to time today. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, I'll be back on Thursday. Like I said, Dave Meltzer will be in the house chatting all things CM Punk, AEW Saturday, and we'll try to sprinkle some other stuff in there as well. Uh, maybe, maybe not on an interview tomorrow. On the podcast feed, we'll see. But for sure, we're going to get it going next week inside the ropes uh, with a brand new uh, interview. We're going to do weekly interviews over there going forward. And, uh, of course, I got to shout this out. So my wife, my beautiful, smart, wonderful wife, Liz, uh, got a new job. We spent yesterday partying. That's why there was no real news on the site. I think I put one post. I'm going to try to catch up today and tomorrow. But I am leaving on a last-second trip to New Orleans. She's never been. I told her when she got her job. Uh, we could go uh, on a quick uh, trip to just go blow off some steam and, and have a good time. So we're going to go Thursday to Saturday to New Orleans. Uh, if you're around, DM me. Maybe I'll get you. Maybe we'll get a drink. I don't know. Uh, but I will be doing very light news coverage on the rest of the week after Wednesday, just as a heads up. But please just go to houseofwrestling.com, obsessively click on things. Uh, that's great. Or just, you know, subscribe to the podcast feed. Nice comments. Nice uh, reviews. Those are always welcome. All right, Matt, where can people uh, find you, follow you, support you, all those great things? Well, first of all, starting a week from Wednesday, we have Wrestling Friends with Matt Kuhn available on all of your podcast platforms. I believe it will be at WrestlingFriend.com. There will be a YouTube channel, too. If you just go to the, uh, the, the Watch Dax YouTube channel, you'll probably see it. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Coon Music, and you can check out the old podcast, FTR with Dax Harwood, or Gentleman Villain with William Regal, but mostly, check out the new podcast, first episode dropping a week from Wednesday, Wrestling Friends with Matt Coon. All right, everybody. Yes, premier streaming network, Tuesday, Thursdays, noon Eastern, for new episodes of House of Wrestling. After the show's done here, we drop the audio over on the podcast feed, so you can catch all the audio for these, all the audios for the interviews, over on that podcast feed, but of course, if you want that sweet first-run video content, Premier Streaming Network, Tuesday, Thursdays, and then over at Inside the Ropes uh, throughout the rest of the week for my interviews. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. I'll talk to you Thursday. Please uh, take some of the brownies, some of the iced tea on your way out. Uh, you've been a wonderful guest. Come on back anytime.